It is my honor and privilege to introduce to you one of the most generous men that I know, um, Steve Bowen. He's going to be speaking today, and um, man, this guy, he and Patty are just amazing people. We're so honored to have them uh, in our leadership on the pastoral team here at Upper Room. And um, so, Steve, why don't you come on up? Let's give him a proper welcome. worship today you know and a great message on generosity uh Corey, uh didn't know what i was speaking on but it's along the same lines and uh want to talk to you a little bit about that but before i do that i'd like to show you uh patty and i what we do at christmas we have a family tradition when we go around trying to find the most outlandish house on the planet that has christmas tree lights and so last year, our, our big one that won last year was our giant Santa Claus, if those things can come up. See if we got, there he is. He, he was bigger than the house. I mean, that's how big, isn't that far out? Who would pay that much money for a Santa Claus that's bigger than your house? I mean, this is crazy. And then uh, this, this year, we, we thought we found the house. Here is the house, the next slide. We thought we found the house thought, oh man, that was really, really great. And so anyway, I drove by today, or two days ago, or yesterday. He's putting more out. So, but the one that really won it for us was up near Berwyn Park up in Kettering where I used to live. And here's that one. Guess what? It's all vintage. Come on. I mean, that's like big bucks and big, 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 big money. And uh, so Patty and I had a really fun time getting out in the rain, taking pictures, dodging cars, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So that's one of our family traditions, is just to drive around and try to find the, find the most outlandish house on the planet. And we found it this year early, so it's really good. So we're really excited about that. I'd like to talk to you a little bit today uh, about context. Uh, for me, recently, I've been really thinking a lot about this word context, and for me, uh, in my thinking, is that context is everything. Understanding context, it really helps us to understand. And when we don't zoom out to look at context, sometimes what happens is we're so zoomed in that we can't see. And so sometimes what we need to do is to zoom out so we can get a wider context of our lives and what's really going on in, in our planet. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to be going to uh, Titus chapter 3. So if you have your, your electronic Bibles, you might want to go there. But uh, part of the context uh, for me and Patty, we were missionaries. And another missionary uh, guy was up speaking today. But we were in Scotland uh, for over 18 years. That's a long time in, to be in a different context in this context. Uh, the other part of our context, that uh, the way that God had wired me in, in my life, has wired me in my life, he's wired me to be a prophetic encourager, so I try to do that. I try to encourage people as much as I can to encourage, to exhort, and to comfort people. That is pr prophecy, folks, just letting you know. That is prophecy in the context of the Bible. If you read uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, you'll see this in context. 
And so uh, when we speak positive words over people, what we're doing, we're, we're flowing into the heart of God, out of his heart, in the context of a person needing his encouragement, comfort, or being lifted up. Does that make sense? So that's the context. The other part of my context was uh, I was an outreach guy, okay? I, I was, I've been an outreach guy since day one. When I met Jesus in my car, drugged out, overdosed, I, told, I called out to God. I said, God, help me. His presence filled my car. I pulled over to the side of the road. I had a friend sitting next to me. I said, Derek, I've just decided to follow Jesus. How about you? <laughs> and so that's pretty quick <laughs> to get into the context of being an evangelist or reaching out to people. So we were in a culture that was totally different than our culture. Uh, Patty uh, was uh, tr uh, translated out of being a triplet. Uh, living in America all of her life, although she did go to Guatemala on several mission trips. And then she met me, and I pulled her out of her context of USA and brought her into a foreign land <laughs> where she couldn't understand people for about a year just to understand the Scottish language. But I was so grateful that we had uh, three women in, in the church, Isabel, uh, Ruth, and Caroline, they just rallied around Patty, taught her how to cook, thank God, taught her how to cook, taught her how to wash clothes, you know, because they wash clothes different over there, how to go to the store, because all the stores were separate, you go to the butcher to get your butcher, you go to the baker, and then modern society came in. So in that context of being in a different culture, we had to create uh, 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 ideas to be able to reach out to people. So we were constantly in the streets constantly out there we were doing get you know we follow the YWAM model where we're out there singing and you know we're kind of a semicircle we're all singing playing and you know telling our story and everybody's sitting there looking at us and everything like that and every once in a while somebody would, would give us two fingers and uh, it, it, it wasn't the peace sign <laughs> it meant something else you can find the context for that so anyway, we thought we were doing really good and then we realized what was happening it was kind of like the Russian front us you you know, we're speaking to you, we speak, you listen. And so we discovered that we needed to do something different. We had to change. And so the church was very creative, just very much like this church. We were, uh, loved worship. We had four worship teams in a little bitty church, about 100 people. Isn't that crazy? And uh, we loved worship. So we took worship out into the streets. And so we just worship. And then we would just go around and talk to people. I remember one year we, we got very creative and we decided to uh, go out and survey people on their beliefs. What did they believe? And so we had this long survey and we were going out and talking to people. Uh, do you believe? Do you believe? Uh, what, do you know what it means to be born again? Okay. 90% of the people, when we asked them, do you know what it means to be born again? They said, oh yeah, we know what it means to be born again. It's reincarnation. That was what they said, reincarnation. Context again, 20% of the people in the nation of Scotland, of about 8 million people, are followers of Jesus, the rest are not. So a very secularized uh, place to be. So we would talk to him and say, well, could we tell you what the Bible means about being born again? And they'd go, yeah, that'd be great, that'd be great. Well, it's found in John, John 3, 16. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Have you ever heard that before? No, I've never heard that before. And so we would share our faith with people in the context of where we, we were. 
and it, what it did, it was, it was a great, a great, a great time, great things happened. And then we discovered this, this uh, new way of evangelism called servant evangelism. I read a book called Conspiracy of Kindness. And when I read the book, I thought, man, this is such a good book. This is just exactly what will work in our nation. And we'll spin people. People will be just spun out. And, and so we gathered a people. I remember the, one of the first outreaches we, we, we did together is I bought 50 pounds of potatoes and brought them into our house. Patty was really happy. I put a sheet on the floor, and we dumped 50 pounds of potatoes, dirt and all, on our, car, on our floor on a sheet. Well, it tried to stay on the sheet. Anyway, Patty was not happy. Anyway, all, the, all these potatoes. So we bagged up uh, potatoes, and then we decided, well, where are we going to go? We're going to go to the roughest area of Inverness. We're going to go to the roughest, uh, roughest part of, of the community. And so we went down to the roughest part of the community, and we knocked on doors, and we says, hey, we're here. We're from the King's Fellowship. It's now called the King's. We're from the King's Fellowship, and we're here just to encourage you with a bag of potatoes. And you wouldn't believe the conversations we had. I remember uh, we stopped at one house, and uh, they opened the door wide open, and they had a child. The only thing they had in their house was a little square of carpet about this big, and that was it. And they had their child playing on that piece of car carpet, and the rest was just floorboards. But so we were there, we encouraged them, had really great talks, and so that, that helped us in, in our adjustments. And, and then, we, then we began to go out and, and do other crazy things. We have, would have teams from America. We had a team of 50 young uh, teenagers that came over, and they were, they were just crazy. These people were Jesus crazy people. And uh, so we would go out and we'd do some drama, we'd do some singings, and we'd go out and do different things like give away Cokes, and we had a little Connect card, or we'd go out and uh, give away light bulbs. Can you believe that? We gave away light bulbs. And the reason why we gave away light bulbs in the context was light bulbs in Scotland were very expensive. And so, and people in the nation, they just didn't, didn't keep their lights on all the time because electricity is very expensive as well. And so people, uh, it was a genuine need of getting a light bulb. And I remember one day that we were out and uh, all of a sudden this lady comes up to me and she's really angry. I have a big bullseye right here for religious people who don't like Jesus. They just kind of... So anyway, I was, I was up to her talking and I was talking to her and she goes, this isn't the gospel. What you're doing is not the gospel, giving away light bulbs. Jesus wouldn't do that. I thought, oh, he's the light of the world. <laughs> so I'm thinking all this stuff. So she's really giving me a really hard time. And then all of a sudden, Liz McKenzie, she came up. Liz and her husband were really great people in our church. They ended up becoming missionaries to Honduras and had an orphanage in Honduras out of that little bitty church. They were sent to Honduras. But anyway, Liz met a lady and gave her a light bulb, and the lady, lady just said to her, I can't believe this, that you're giving me a light bulb. I was going home, and I remembered that I needed a light bulb, and I turned around, and here you are giving me a light bulb. And so Liz began to talk to her about the church and everything, and talked about how we pray for the sick and everything, and the lady says, I have a really sore shoulder. It's really painful. You think that you guys would pray for me? So fast forward, they come up, and I'm talking to the lady who's giving me a hard time. And Liz says, hey, Steve, would you help us pray for this lady that has a sore shoulder? I said, sure, I'll help pray. pray. I was more than glad to disengage in that conversation. 
So anyway, I turned and we asked the lady how, what her pain level was. We said, we'd love to pray for you. And so Liz and I pray for her. We commanded pain to go, healing to flow in Jesus' name. And we said, move your arm and your shoulder. And the lady went like this. And she went, oh my goodness. She was totally healed. So that was really, really a great, great way to start that out. But anyway, so the lady over here who was giving me a really hard time, she changed her tune. And she realized that what we were doing was the gospel. And then I found out the reason why she was mad at me is because she was mad because she was going through a divorce from her husband. And so she was transferring her pain into me, onto me. And so later we prayed with her and ministered to her. She became a member of the church, and she was one of our best servant evangelism people that we had. So that's in context. So uh, at Christmas time, uh, we, would, we had to be really creative. And so one year, we decided that we would try to get into the Kingsgate Mall. It's the largest mall in Inverness, one of the largest malls in Scotland. And uh, so we thought about what can we do. Patty was very, Patty was very creative. She uh, did some, uh, you ever seen the Muppet things that they do? Well, she was really good at that, children's ministry. And so we, we created this show that had two tiers of, of uh, one tier of Muppets here, one tier of Muppets here. And then we had live human beings out dancing and doing choreography in the front of, of these crazy Muppets that were dancing. We mixed it, okay, where's Josh? We mixed it, Josh, on a four-track set tape. That's awesome. And so we played the tape and everything. So the Kingsgate let us go into the mall, and the way we got in, said, hey, we'd like to do this show for kids and just encourage the people who are shopping here. We'd like to talk to, to them about Christmas customs around the world. And they said, oh, you want to talk about Christmas customs around the world? We said, yeah, we want to talk about Christmas customs around the world. They said, sure, you can come in. And so we were excited. We were booked from 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. When we started the show, to our surprise, 200 to 300 people would gather to watch us do the stupid Muppet show with people dancing and us telling the gospel through Christmas customs around the world. Now, this is a Christmas uh, custom. It's called a Chris Engel. There's several uh, different variations of it. But uh, this represents... Uh, one of the Christmas customs that people do in Germany, that on Christmas Eve they get uh, an orange, and they get a ribbon, and they get a piece of holly with red buds, and they get a candle on top. So we would just explain, here's the Christmas custom in Germany, and then we go through everything, and we say, the orange represents the world, the red ribbon around the orange represents Jesus and his blood he spilt for the world at the cross. And the holly represents the crown of thorns that he wore as he went to the cross for you and me. And again, the berries represent his blood that was spilt so that you and I could know a Savior and become born again to know Jesus personally. And also the candle represents Jesus being the light of the world. We'd, we just would encourage you this year, it went longer than this, but we would really encourage you to let Jesus come into your life so that he can be the light of your world. And so that was in context. Isn't that a great message? And it was very simple, and people came, and they just loved it, and we had such a wonderful time doing that. And, 
and it was just, you know, it was just all day. And so we, we began to continually to be creative. Now, Christmas has a bittersweet uh, memory for me. Uh, remember I told you about the outreach that we had planned and everything was going and getting ready. So at uh, uh, 9 o'clock, right before we get ready to go, I get a phone call from the United States. And I answer the phone, and Wanda's on the phone. Hey, say, hey, Wanda, what's going on? Hey, Wanda, hey, Wanda said to me, she said this, Steve, I just want to let you know that your dad died today. And so my dad died. Had 45 minutes before we are going to go do an outreach. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to do this? And then I remember the scripture. It said, let the dead bury the dead. <laughs> you follow me. I thought, man, that's awful hard, but you're right. We put too much time and effort into this, and we need to do what God has called us to do. Even though the price was high for me that day, we went out and we put it on. We did the best that we could do. A lot of people heard the gospel. Thousands, really, that day heard the gospel. And even though it was bitter, bittersweet, it was still sweet because I was following Jesus and doing what he wanted me to do at that time. Does that make sense? And I just want to encourage you that if you're following Jesus, sometimes it's not all zippity-doo-dah. So sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, there's another train coming, and the light at the end of the tunnel is not life, it's a train. <laughs> you know, and so uh, that's, that's just a little bit about my context and, and, and where I am and, and, and what I'm doing and why I do what we do. Personally, I want to thank you all for being so generous uh, at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Uh, this Thanksgiving was overwhelming. We had so many people that came out on this outreach this time. It was just amazing how many people came out. I've interviewed several of the, fa uh, several of the parents. I was talking to a father last week. I said, hey, hey, what happened to you guys? You didn't come back to share your story. So what, what happened with you guys? He says, Steve, man, he says, you wouldn't believe what happened. He says, we went up to the door. The first door we walked up to, the lady was there. We told her what, what we had for her, had for her, and to give to her. She just cried. She just wept, and she wept as we prayed for her. He said the second door was the same thing. We went up to the door. We offered the Thanksgiving dinner, and when we told the lady what we were doing, she she says, "You're kidding." He says, "No. Can we pray for you?" And he says, as we were praying for her, she wept. He said, "It's the best outreach that we've ever been on with our kids. Our kids love this every year." Isn't that good news? And that's generosity in action. That's generosity from you guys in action. This year, uh, last year, Nicole and I had planned uh, the outreach to the schools for clothing, all this kind of stuff. And Nicole went to two uh, agencies where she uh, mentioned that we were going to be helping people. And so two weeks ago, we had how many cards? Was it like 60 cards? Yeah, like 60 cards on the Christmas tree. And one day, all 60 of them were almost all gone. And to me, that, again, it speaks to your generosity. It speaks to your heart of generosity that is willing to reach out and to give. And so they're still coming in. We have some, uh, Nicole today told me, she goes, you know, we got another family from a school. A school's called. They said, can you have another one? And Nicole said, of course we can handle another one. So she put it on the tree today. And again, I want to thank you for your generosity because this is what you're doing in our context. Could you all say our context? Our context. 
That's what we're doing in our context to reach out and to love and serve the community in which we live. And I just want to commend you on that. I just want to commend you. I've been around doing this stuff for a really long, long time. That story that I told you about an Inverness, that was back in the 80s. Okay, that's a long time. That's way back in the day. And I just want to encourage you that God is faithful. He's faithful to his word to fulfill it. He's faithful to be upon the gospel as we proclaim it. And his anointing is upon us as we go and as we love and as we do good deeds. Now, what I want to, want to do just now is like to read through uh, Titus chapter 3. Would you be okay with you guys? And we'll wrap, wrap, the, wrap this thing up and get going. i got to put my glasses on. I can't believe it. Look at I can see you all, but I have to put these on to read. Awesome. That's good. Had the cataract surgery. So anyway. Titus 3. Remind them. Now who's, who's Titus speaking to? He's talking to church. Titus was one of his disciples. Timothy was one of his disciples, one of Paul's disciples. So Paul's writing Titus, encouraging him how he can be a better, be a good leader and how that he can encourage people to follow Jesus and to really make Jesus known, to follow Jesus and to make him known. So Titus says this, remind them to be ready for every good deed. That means to be ready. Uh, uh, Corey talked about it today, being willing to stop for the one. You know what that means? Got to be ready. Got to be ready when you're driving down the road and you wake up in the morning and you say, Jesus, I'm open for business today, so today I'm ready to whatever comes my way. So he says to them, to be ready for every good deed, then to be peaceable, gentle, and I love that word gentle. Gentle is not weakness. Jesus was the strongest man on the planet. He says, I am gentle, come learn from me. There's strength in being gentle and having gentleness uh, toward the people that we're uh, encountering, showing consideration for all men. For once, we also were foolish ourselves. Anybody can agree with that? At one time, we were all kind of, I still am, but we, all of us were foolish ourselves. But when the kindness of God and our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, do you know who that is? That's Jesus. That's who appeared. When the kindness and goodness of God, the love of God appeared, he saved us. Jesus, boom. He was and is the embodiment, embodiment of kindness and love. And so he appeared. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace. Aren't you glad that we're justified by grace? And not by the way that we try to keep ourselves right. Has anybody ever tried that to be be right to to walk? You know, actually, absolutely, flee sin. But everybody, anybody ever tried to just to be their own righteousness? Guess what? That is a hard taskmaster. Yeah, yeah. That is very hard. That's very religious. So that being justified by His grace, we be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. Everything that He has said. He's talking about it in, in Titus chapter 3. You can read it yourself. He said, this is a trustworthy statement. And part of that trustworthy statement was being ready to do good. 
That's part of that trustworthy statement. Part of the trustworthy statement was saying, once you were this, but now you're this. Once you were going that way, and now you're going this way, this is a trustworthy statement. Once you were lost, and now you are saved by grace, this is a trustworthy statement. That is what he was saying. So he says, this is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm speaking confidently to you today to commend to you, commend you and to encourage you to continue to love others and to do good deeds. Here's the so that. So that those who have believed God will be careful to engage, engage. There's a really key word there. Engage, engage. That means be active, take action, be part of it, put your whole self into it. So engage in good deeds. Why? Because these things are good and profitable for men. You see, good deeds don't save us. Good deeds reveal us. Good deeds reveal us. Uh, when Nicole and I took some dinners up to, uh, to the school the other, other day, we went up there and, and, and we're talking, and all of a sudden it was your cousin. It's Nicole's cousin who's now the counselor at school. You know, we're going, how do you... How do you work that out? So anyway, uh, she talks to her and everything. Stuff's going on. And then the counselor mentioned uh, something in the future that could happen. And Nicole, something in the future could happen. And guess what? What opened the door, I believe, for that was good deeds. It was the good deeds that we performed, the good deeds that we did for the schools last year, the good deeds when we gave every teacher uh, and worker at the schools a grounds for pleasure coffee card so they could have one cup of coffee a month for a year. That's huge. That's huge. You see, those are good deeds. Those are good deeds. And they don't save us, but they do reveal us. Uh, Aaron mentioned to me that we have an opportunity this year we're giving to our sister church. We we're, we're, want to send them a big gift, just like uh, Corey was talking about. Want to send St. Lucia a big gift. So I'm commending that even today, as you've heard this message, why don't you stop and just write. And here's, here's the deal. It doesn't matter how much you give. A woman gave two pennies, and it was all that she had. And Jesus said, that's enough. And so I would encourage you that if you, if you have 10 bucks to send to St. Lucia, send, send 10 bucks to St. Lucia. If you have one penny, send one penny to St. Lucia. But I would encourage you, just based on what we've heard today about the spirit of generosity, to do something today, to act upon that today so you can say, yes, Lord, to that being part of my life and what I want to do. And we still have some of these uh, tags left out today. You can also uh, pick, pick, uh, pick them up and just want to en encourage you all in, in that. So good deeds don't save us, but good deeds do reveal us. Now, I would like to make a comment in closing. Is this okay? Are we doing good? Is everybody still awake? Awesome. Okay. I love to search out stuff. I love this, 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 you know, I was thinking about the context. Have you ever thought about the context of the birth of Jesus? Have you ever, I mean, really, really, really thought about it, that there's 400 years of silence. God hasn't said anything. And suddenly, Gabriel shows up to, to this guy named Zachariah. Suddenly, boom. And then he begins to speak. Zachariah, you're going to have a son. His name's John. And, and John looked at the angel Gabriel and said, shut up, man. 
And uh, guess what Gabriel said to John when John didn't believe? Hey, John, you go shut up. And he did. He got shut up for nine months. But in the midst of that, five months later, silence. Angel shows up, shows up to Zachariah. Silence. And all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up again to this little girl named Mary. Boom. And he speaks to her about her being the mother of the Messiah. Wow. Can you imagine? No wonder she said, really me? The Messiah. Because they understood who the Messiah was. That was who they were looking for. They were under Roman rule. They were desperate. They were oppressed. They were looking for a Messiah to come. And this little girl, suddenly this angel shows up and speaks to her. And then, she, then the angel, really, I thought the angel was very smart. You're very smart, Gabriel. Because he said, go to, uh, uh, I've already showed up at Elizabeth's house, and uh, she's going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to be a forerunner. He's going to turn to hearts of the father, all that kind of stuff. Somewhere in there. You can read it for yourself. So anyway, so what happens when G Gabriel leaves Mary? You know what Mary does? She hightails it to Elizabeth's house. She's going to her cousin's house. She's going as fast as she can. And when she walked into the door and, and her greeting to Elizabeth, hey, Elizabeth, John, filled with the Holy Spirit, jumped in her belly after 400 years of silence. And yet God speaks to a girl and to two cousins. And so Mary stayed with her for five months, or five, about four months, five months, something like that, stayed with her. And what I think was going on was Elizabeth, you see, was an older, wiser woman. Praise God for older, wiser women. Amen? When Patty went to Scotland, guess what? She needed some older, wiser women. Okay? I'm telling you. She didn't know how to wash clothes. You know how I found out? I had a maroon Indian ink uh, shirt. It had never been washed before. And I had brand new jeans I was taking to Scotland because they were so expensive. I come home, and my jeans are pink. I have pink jeans. So, so anyway, she helped, she helped it, Patty learn how to do all that kind of stuff. But don't you think Elizabeth did the same thing? Did the same thing to Mary. And I, I would encourage you uh, to uh, seek into the context of, uh, of uh, everything. Oh, I went too far. Let me just talk to you about this guy real quick, and we'll wrap it up. I know I've gone too long. This guy's name is Isaac Watts, okay? He was a radical young guy. He was an adolescent. His dad was a, it was a pastor in the nonconformist church. In other words, he didn't like the Anglican church and wanted to be in a nonconformist church. And so he was arrested twice, his dad was, for not being in the Anglican church but doing something different. And that happened back then. And young Isaac was so tired of the songs that people were singing uh, he'd been uh, bemoaning the monotone, no joyous hymns and psalms singing since his late teens. And he compla complained to his dad about it. You know what his dad said? Do something about it. If you don't like it, change it. And so he did. That week he wrote a, uh, wrote a hymn, and it became one of the most popular hymns in England. And then later, guess what song he wrote? He wrote Joy to the World, Isaac Watts. The other thing that Isaac Watts, Watts did when, as he responded uh, to what was going on in his culture, wanting to be a culture shifter. He did something about it. He wrote, se he wrote 750 hymns. Wow. 750 hymns, three books on sermons, 
And he was also uh, a person who used logic. So he wrote a whole, series, a whole book on logic, uh, of, of, of talking about the imperialistic, whatever mindset that was in England. So he wrote all that stuff. And he started when he was a teenager, an adolescent who chose to say yes to God and to say, I'm going to do something different with my life. And guess what? God used Isaac Watts to change history. Guess what is the most widely published song in America, in, in the, not only America, the North American continent and around the world? Guess what's the most widely published song is in, at Christmas? Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Isn't that awesome? Kind of lost a little bit there in the end, Aaron, but uh, we got there in the end. So I'll stand. So I'll stand. What I like to do is, uh, we heard a lot today, but I just like to invite the Holy Spirit just to settle. Good old Scottish word, just sell, sell. And let's just allow the Holy Spirit just for a couple of minutes just to settle. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come now. We thank you for your goodness. We're so grateful, Father, for the Messiah who came, who was promised. We thank you generations have passed. And he's still the same yesterday. Today, he will be forever. We thank you, Father, that he is God being human and human being God, the great mystery. We thank you, Lord, for the culture and the times that we live. And we, Lord, we ask you to help us to understand our context. Help us to understand our context in a jaded world that uh, believes believers are crazy that they're anti-government, they're all kinds of different things. And Lord, we just, just say, help us to be peaceable and gentle with all men. Help us, Father, to stay away from arguments and help us to focus this Christmas, Lord, upon the one who gave it all for us. Help us to focus upon Jesus and the greatest generosity of all time was when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. For, Father, you did not send your Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through your Son we might have life. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the life. We thank you for the goodness. And we thank you, Lord, for people like Isaac Watts who cho chose to change their culture by writing and encouraging others to be joyful as they sing, as, as they worship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give Jesus a big applause today? Shout. Woo! Jesus! You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Oh, I forgot. If you'd like to uh, have a calendar, there's some calendars back in the back to help you practice being good all month. There's one that has blanks in it, and the other ones you can fill it, uh, it's filled out. And if you have to give a, a children's Christmas card to someone, there's some Christmas cards up here. If you need personal encouragement, come up and grab one of the cards. Amen. Hi. Hi, Charlotte. Hey, Charlotte.